When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday, June 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Kansas State in the Big 12 with Kellis Robinette, and we're covering football and hoops. Kellis and I take a look at the upcoming football season for the Wildcats and the rest of the Big 12, which jumps to 14 in membership with the addition of Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Brigham Young. It's all about returning starters and quarterbacks and schedules when it comes to assessing the league. Who has the edge? Also, it was a good night in the NBA draft for Kansas State last week. Standout Keontae Johnson was selected in the second round, and moments after the draft was finished, point guard Marquise Noel signed a deal with the Toronto Raptors. Kellis breaks down both players' chances at the next level. Okay, let's get started. Kellis, the NBA draft has come and gone, and I think we were thinking for sure one Kansas State player would be taken, and maybe two. Turns out it is just one, Keontae Johnson, 50th overall to the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. But then, heck, I think even before you finished writing your story about Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel was signed a, a what a, a two-way deal with uh, with the Toronto Raptors. Let's talk about Keontae Johnson first, though. Um, I, I think the Thunder getting a pretty good player and someone who uh, I think has the ability to stick in, in the NBA. A little bit undersized, but what do you think about Keontae Johnson's NBA hopes? I think he's got a pretty bright future in front of him. The question for him at the next level, I think, is um, – who does he defend? What position does he defend? That kind of thing. If they can figure out a way where he's on smaller guys on the perimeter, um, that's probably a good thing for him as opposed to trying to, you know, go up against six, eight, six, nine, six, ten forwards um, who are bringing it inside and playing more post basketball. So I think that kind of will ultimately decide how great of an NBA player, NBA player he is. But Outside of that, I think he's got everything figured out. He's got a very good outside shot. He's got a really high basketball IQ. He's got the uh, ability to get inside and create his own shot when he needs to. He saw that at Kansas State last season. And I think really the consistency that he brings to the table is uh, is as appealing as anything. Think back to his Kansas State career. There's only one time all season he failed to score 10 points. Even when he played his worst games, he was still one of the best players on the basketball court. And I think that's what you want in the NBA because um, even if even if let's say he's not a starter, he's just a rotation guy. Um, when those coaches are looking for somebody to come in and play, you know, plug and play five minutes here, plug and play six minutes there, they want somebody who's going to come in and not drop off and going to give them the same every time. And that's what Keontae does. So I think it's a really good landing spot for him and the Thunder because they were pretty good last season. They were in the play-in tournament. Um, if he can come in and add a little bit to that team, you know, maybe they're even better next season. 
I can see you sneaking down a day early covering uh, K, you know, K State at Oklahoma or Oklahoma State and dropping in on Keontae Johnson and uh, in, in his Thunder uniform. Um, you know, the other thing he's got going for him to me is, you know, the guy missed a you know pretty long stretch of his college career dealing with a heart you know ailment. And uh, to to what extent that played in his all conference season this year, nobody, only he knows. But he just strikes me as a very determined person who will do what it takes to, you know, to get things done. Not you know not only as an individual, but you know have you know helping will his team to the success, unexpected success that it had this year. Um, so Marquise Noel, uh, I, I was hoping he would get drafted. He did not, but uh, but signs with the Toronto Raptors where he joins um, Big 12 rival Grady Dick, who was the number 13 overall pick by the Raptors. I noticed they had a little bit of a, uh, a little social media moment together uh, earlier today. The obvious uh, comment on Noel is he's five foot eight and that's a difficult size with which to make it in, in the NBA. But I think anybody who saw him play in March understands the impact he can have. Uh, and look, taking on the competition that, that, um, you know, in, in Kentucky and Michigan state, he just dominated those games from his position. So um, talk about Marquise Noel's NBA hopes and what it's just going to take for him to, um, to be an NBA player. Well, I'll touch on a few things with him. First off, I was happy that he was um, not selected, but the teams were reaching out to him as fast as they did after the draft. Um, I wasn't expecting him to be picked. I was expecting him to be, you know, um, a two-way player like he was, somebody who maybe has to start out in the G League and work his way up. Um Certainly nothing he's uh, afraid to do. He's been proving people wrong his whole life. So I thought it was very cool that uh, Toronto was on the phone with him pretty much as soon as the last pick was announced. Let's get on the phone with Marquise Noel. Let's get this locked up. We want him around. And to show you how much, um, yeah, they mean to him, they had him uh, in Toronto this weekend at a Blue Jays game with Grady Dick. I saw that picture of them on Instagram with uh, both of them in Toronto Blue Jays jerseys right next to each other. And, I had two very different thoughts. One was, boy, this is cool, and boy, this is weird. <laughs> after after seeing what they did last season, going up against each other, now seeing them on the same team. Um, but it is cool to think about. I mean, as good of a shooter as Grady Dick is, as good of a passer as Marquise Noel is, if they're both on the same team in the same lineup next season, they really could do some damage together. So that's very cool to think about it. From Noel's um, perspective, you know, moving forward, I think it's a good fit for him. Um Toronto's backcourt seems like they need, uh, you know, a new infusion of some new blood up there. So he'll get a chance to to show what he can do. There's always going to be the questions about his height. And I certainly do wonder there were times uh, when he would go up against teams with big rim protectors in college. Um, and when he would go in the lane, his shots would get blocked rather easily. And it's not going to get any easier at the, the next level. So that's always going to be a concern. But you make a great point in that Kentucky game. How many Kentucky players were drafted, were picked in this draft? A lot of them. And he was going up against a whole team filled with future NBA draft picks, tearing them apart, behind the back passes, scoring at the rim, dishing out assists. So he can do it. Um, you know, I, clearly Toronto likes him. It only takes one team to like you to give you a chance. And now that he's got his foot in the door, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt it that he can actually crack this roster and, and play a little bit next season. 
Um, I guess with him, it's kind of the same thing as I said with Keontae is how good of a defender is he um, in college teams. Really, it, it's always kind of baffled me that nobody's been able to post him up and uh, take advantage of his game that way. He always seems to just kind of fool you and, you know, run around the other side, strip the ball away. Um, I always thought that was funny that no matter how tall somebody was, they couldn't score on him. You might think that changes in the NBA. If it does, then it's going to be hard for him. Um, but if it doesn't and stays the same, then I think you'll have a shot. So it'll be very interesting to see, but I'm happy he gets a chance because he, he's got the game. He might not have the size, but he's got the game. Among the uh, the, the players, the backcourt players at Toronto is looking to replace is Fred Van Vliet. He uh, signed a free agent. Uh, I don't know who he signed with, but it's, it's not with Toronto. He left the, left the, the Raptors. So, I was going to ask you, Kellis, um, covering this team this year. Listen, we knew we, we knew Keontae Johnson was a was a star player, and we proved it at Florida a couple of years, a few years ago. And um, Marquise Noel had, you know, had was was good last year. I don't know if we envisioned, at least for Marquise, an all conference season. Uh, I thought we believed that was possible for for Keontae Johnson, but. Was there a point this year that you believed that both of these guys, let's take them both, um, you know, we're going to be next level type players. Was there a game? The reason I bring it up is the other two Kansas City area second round picks were Jalen Wilson from Kansas and Kobe Brown from Missouri. And I can specifically remember games in which both of those guys just took it to quality opponents and thought, Gosh, yeah, yeah, I can. It was the Jalen Wilson game was at Manhattan when he went for 38 against Kansas State, and just couldn't miss. Um, Kobe Brown had this great game against Kentucky in in um, in Columbia. Was there a game or two like that for you with uh, with Keontae Johnson? And I'm just going to assume it's the NCAA tournament with Marquise Noel. Um, well, the I I could give you two different answers here, but the first time I really thought geez, these guys are really good, better than we expected, was right at the start of conference play when they went to Texas and scored 116 points just kind of out of nowhere. It was like, wow, um, these guys can't miss. Um, <laughs> you know. And at that moment, I was thinking, well, that that's the best they'll ever play right there. We'll never see them better than that. But at their peak, they're really good. And then I was very impressed that the very next game, they go to Baylor. And I don't think they scored 100, but it was high 90s, and both of them did the same thing. Neither one of them could miss a shot. Neither one of them could do any wrong with their passes. And it was just like, wow, okay. Um, these guys are definitely two of the best five players in the Big 12 this season. So that right there kind of gave you, a, you know, at least a, not, you know, a signal that, hey, these guys are really good. And then Keontae, Keontae, obviously, like I said, he was Mr. Consistent. You knew it all season. You could tell he could, he could score on anybody. And then Marquise was obviously up and down, but then – once he played Kentucky and Michigan State, that was really the exclamation point for him. Um, the thing on the, I mean, you were there with me, North Carolina. The thing I always got a big kick out of was we had watched Marquise Noel have those crazy passes in transition all season where he goes behind the back, behind the head, fake one way, go through the legs, you know. Um, so for me, watching the watching him do that like four or five times against Kentucky wasn't anything like jaw dropping is what we'd seen all season, but the people in that crowd there at Greensboro Coliseum were losing their minds with each one that he was doing. And it just got fancier and fancier. They were acting like they were watching, you know, like an and one uh, mixtape tour or something out there. And that for me was kind of the moment like, okay, maybe I've just 
not been giving him full credit to, to see someone else watch him for the first time and be so impressed made me kind of think, okay, he's, he's probably better than, than we all realized. Yeah. We all remember the play at the, toward the end of the Michigan state game, the, the lob pass, the, the no look lob pass to Keontae Johnson. But I also remember the, was it the last play of the first half of the Kentucky game where um, uh the um, the pass to was it Tomlin was it Naquan Tomlin I can't I can't remember but please so yes yeah just another just incredible moment uh, of of you know basketball wizardry by uh, by Marquise Noel and yeah he yes he put on the show no no doubt about it hey um so before we leave basketball let's talk a little bit about next season's team for the Wildcats. Um, we haven't talked since uh, since they uh, they got Arthur Kaluma from Creighton. What a what a great get for Jerome Tang's team. Going to go along with with um, you know t- t- uh, Taylor uh, Taylor Perry, the, the incoming point guard, the transfer from North Texas. Kaluma, of course, the transfer from from Creighton. That is, uh, they've got the foundation of a nice team. It looks like they still have some maybe some roster work to do, but um, but yeah, that was really good news to get Kaluma. Yeah. Um, and before they got him, there was definitely some worry that, you know, maybe it's too late in the in the recruiting cycle to get an impact player. Um, but uh, it's never too late with Jerome Tang and his coaching staff. They brought in Keontae Johnson and Desi Sills very late last season. I think they got um, Johnson in late August. That's how long they waited to add him to the, to the roster. Um, this time they don't wait too long. They get Kaluma in June. And yeah, very good addition. He should he should uh, move right into the starting lineup. So next year you're looking at a starting five, maybe Tyler Perry, Cam Carter, Arthur Kaluma, Naquan Tomlin, and David Gasson. Um, and if they can all stay healthy, that's you know that's another NCAA tournament team. That's probably another top half of the Big Twelve team. So very very similar to what we saw. This past season, the only question is who can who can raise their game, or if anyone can raise their game to the level we saw with Johnson and Noel. If that happens, then all of a sudden there's some special things on the table. If not, then maybe they're not quite as good. But yeah, adding adding the two transfers that they did has been a very big deal. They still want to add two more for depth purposes. They could really use an extra uh, guard in the backcourt. I think they could use another big, but they'll take whoever with that last spot. If they can get to 13, they'll f- be feeling really good about themselves. But uh, the one thing I would say to anybody who's you know sitting out there saying they got to get get to 13, last year they did have 13 on the roster, but they redshirted three guys, so they really only had 10 people last season. One or two players uh, sporadically were hurt, so they were going. There were certain games they were going into it with just eight avail- available scholarship players. They already got that beat with 11 heading into next season. So if they don't quite get there, I think they're going to be okay. All right. Let's take a break here, Kellis. And when we come back, we've got some football to discuss, not just the Wildcats, but the Big 12. And not just 12, but 14. That's how big this conference is. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
We are back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars sports podcast, and we're talking Kansas State athletics. And now we're going to talk some Big 12 football because, Kellis, um, this Saturday, July 1st, marks the turning of the calendar in college sports. It's a new business year for athletic departments around the country and for conferences, and that means the Big 12 will grow by four teams. And... Power five will grow by four teams to 69. The Big 12 will stand at 14 with the additions of Central Florida, Houston, Cincinnati, and Brigham Young. You know, I go all the way back to 2016 when the conference was talking about expanding then. They did their due diligence on those four schools plus about eight or nine others and then decided not, they decided none of them were going to bring enough value to the league. Uh, and decided not to trans and decided not to expand. And then when Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave the Big 12, this was uh, just a couple of years ago. Then Commissioner Bob Bowlesby um, got in a plane and visited all four of these campuses and said uh, and handed out invitations to them. They were all very eager to join the Big 12. So we are beginning a new era of the conference starting this year. And the next time you and I talk actually will be, at Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, Texas, on July 12 and 13. But let's um, let's talk a little Big 12 football right now. Every kind of preseason, the, the AP preseason top 25 is not out, but a lot of magazines and other uh, guesses are out there. And I'm kind of seeing the same five teams at the top. Kansas State is one of them. Uh, but Texas is unanimously everybody's choice. Texas, geez. Um, Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma uh, Texas Tech, and I see TCU kind of on the borderline of, uh, of uh, some of these predictions. Kansas State, um, defending Big 12 champions, got a nice ring to that. Are they a viable contender to repeat in the Big 12? I mean, I think they've got as good a chance as anybody. They're teams I like a little bit more. They're teams I like a little bit worse. But like you said, they're the, the, they're the defending champs for a reason. They've got a lot of players who've been through this. They know how to win. And one thing that we've seen over the years in college football is that it's very hard to beat a team that returns their head coach, their offensive coordinator, and their quarterback all at the same time. And Kansas State has that trifecta working for them next season with Will Howard, Colin Klein, and Chris Kleiman all back next season. Two of them, the two coaches got nice extensions this offseason, nice raises. Will Howard, I assume, got some nice NIL money, and he's back to be the starting quarterback. So those three together, you would expect good things on offense. Um, and they've got a lot of players coming back. The problem with picking them to win it all is that they're losing so many great players. Deuce Vaughn, not going to take another snap. Felix ain't coming back. Um <laughs> Those are two pretty hard guys to replace. It's just very difficult for me to wrap my head around a team loses players like Deuce Vaughn and Felix and Yudike Uzama, two guys who are going to be playing on Sunday next year, and they're better. So that's kind of my only um, reservation here. Do I think they're going to be good? Yes. Do I think they win eight or nine games in the regular season? Yes. Can they make that jump and win the Big 12? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I like DJ Giddens at running back. Um I like Trayshawn Ward, the other transfer running back they brought in. I love that they've got five starters back in the offensive line. Daniel Green coming back on defense. Hard to beat that. Um, so, hey, if it all falls into place and they win some of these toss-up games, they can absolutely do it. 
the same time, I still keep going back to it's got to be hard to replace those guys. So we'll see. I think there's a little bit too much love for Texas. I just can never. I mean, they're in the same boat. They just lost Bijan Robinson, the best the best running back you know that college football's ever seen, and they're going to be better. I don't know. I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. But the teams, the other teams I'm keeping an eye on, I want to see what Oklahoma can do. I don't necessarily think they're very good, but the schedule makers gave them a heck of a heck of a draw this season. They just don't play many, many hard teams. They're l- listen to this conference schedule, okay? They get um they go to Cincinnati, they get Iowa State at home, Texas and Dallas, you know, obviously gonna be hard, but then they get UCF at home, at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, who they always beat. West Virginia at home, at BYU, TCU at home. I'm not seeing a lot of L's in that season, even for a team that's not very good. And then the other team I want to see uh, is Texas Tech. They were on an absolute roll at the end of last season. You know, they're another team. They actually buy the Red Raiders. They never never seem to break through. Maybe this is the year. Those are the teams I'm looking at. Well, when, you, uh, when you're reading off the OU opponents, I did not hear Kansas State. Uh, no, and that's that's been an automatic L for them for years. So <laughs> take that off the schedule. That's a very nice um, get for them. And Kansas State, unfortunately, does not get to beat them this season. So, like I said, schedule makers were in their favor. And usually, uh, or historically, and this will be a subject of a story that we'll work on maybe from Big 12 Media Days, uh, departing schools don't get favorable treatment from the conference. Um uh, I can remember uh, Nebraska's final year in the Big 12. The conference actually, you know, as they work with schools for bowl opponents, made Nebraska play a team they had played during the regular season in their bowl game. Missouri always believed that the Big 12 was out to, you know, hose them in scheduling. But OU sounds like they're getting a little kiss from the from the schedule makers. Well, maybe maybe they've instructed the Big Twelve refs to give them some bad break. <laughs> Get them that way. <laughs> and of course, of course, that'll be a uh, message board topic, hot topic throughout the season for OU and Texas. We'll, we'll see if if it's Kansas State, Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship game, and an extra second needs to be put on the clock late. We'll we'll see we'll see who gets the benefit of the doubt there. <laughs> see what's really happening. Uh, and the and the other thing that you said that I wanted to uh, add to to win the Big Twelve, all you have to do is finish second in the league, <laughs> as uh, as the Wildcats proved last year by finishing runner up to TCU in the regular season and then beat the Horn Frogs dramatically in the Big Twelve championship game. So uh, another list that I I I, I spotted uh, most returning starters. In the Big 12. Do you have any idea which Big 12 team has the most returning starters this year? Is it the Cats? It is not the Cats. Not the Cats. Okay. It is the Cats' biggest rival. Um, oh, the Hawks. It is the Hawks. 17 returning starters from a team that went six and seven, went to a bowl game, and everybody knows the job that Lance Leipold did. Um, second on the list, Iowa State with 16, and yet I don't see many favorable projections for Iowa State. Texas has 15, Texas Tech 14, and Kansas State 12. Obviously, those numbers are it's inexact science, number of returning starters. I don't know what qualifies. Do you start half the games? I don't know what qualifies as a returning starter. But, you know, these teams, uh, can some of the teams I mentioned, Kansas with Jalen Daniels, Texas with Quinn Ewers, K-State with Will Howard, um, they all have their quarterbacks back. 
And that is a great place to start. As you mentioned, Kellis, you get that triumvirate of coach, quarterback, and OC, and you, you've got uh, uh, you got a good thing going. One thing um, that appears to be true here is uh, of the four newcomers, I think only Central Florida has a chance at an upper division finish. I think, you know, maybe we'll hear differently at Big 12 Media Days, but top seven, uh, Central Florida is going to, is returning its quarterback that John, is it John Rice Plumley? I don't know how he pronounces it, but um, uh, the others I've seen in the double digits, right? Anywhere from 10 to 14 with uh, involving Houston, BYU and Cincinnati, and also down there with them, West Virginia, make or break year for Neil Brown at West Virginia. So um, I guess it, it, that's a long-winded way of saying, at least as we go into the season, the more of the newcomers you have on your schedule, maybe the better off you are. How many do, How many does Kansas State have? Uh, well, let me pull up the so schedule they, here. They get Central Florida, don't they? They do get Central Florida at home. Uh, and they that'll be a rematch of several years ago when they played them here and there was a bad thunderstorm that came through. Uh, and they get Houston at home. So they get two of the newcomers, both at home. Uh, probably the two best newcomers of the bunch. You said you, you like yeah. UCF. Yeah, I actually like think UCF. I think people are sleeping a little bit on Houston too. I know they lost a quarterback, um, but uh, their coach knows the yeah. Big Twelve. Dana Holder yeah. can't can't stay away from the Big Twelve. Even when he <laughs> leaves West Virginia to get away from the Big Twelve, he gets drugged back in. I think if any coach can make the transition, it's going to be him. He already did it with West Virginia many years ago. I think he learned a lot from it. Um, and they, they've got a nice, nice style down there. So I think, I think they can, I'm not picking them to pick win at Kansas state or anything like that, but I think they can make a bowl game here next season. Um, but you're right. I think overall, I know a lot of people when the schedules came out, were saying, Oh, nobody wants to go to BYU. I don't know necessarily how scary that is. Yeah. You have to play at altitude, but late in the season, I, I don't know how fearsome BYU is going to be And Cincinnati's down. They've lost a coach. They've lost sauce Gardner. They've lost a lot of guys who got them to the, the college football playoff a few years ago. So if, if I'm in the Big 12, I'm wanting to play those guys. Um, I tell you, the the team, though, while we're on schedules, the team that really got hosed in all this was Iowa State. You asked about why people weren't uh, giving them more credit coming into the season. Not only did they Texas, they have to go to K-State, have to go to Baylor, have to go to BYU, to Cincinnati. Both their newcomer trips are on the road. Um, and then they get Iowa in the regular season. So. It is tough. Uh, even starts. That's. Uh, I think that's why people are, are still down on them. Okay, you're right. That that is that's a, that is a tough schedule, and I I do see uh, Iowa State closer to the bottom part of the of standings than I do uh, at, at the top. Um, Scott Scott Satterfield, of course, new is the new coach at Cincinnati. He was he's been at Louisville and Gus Malzahn in the Big Twelve now. Uh, the, the University of Central Florida coach. Um, 14 teams in the league just for one year though. Uh, what I know, Kellis, you, you keep up with the chatter on social media about expansion and realignment and all the stories that seem to fill the off season vacuum. Is there any new development? Are we just, are we we all just sitting here waiting for the PAC 12 to come up with a media deal amount to see if it's going to keep Colorado and, Arizona and others happy. Yeah, I think that's where we're at. There's 
really nothing to do until we find out exactly how much money some TV networks are willing to give the Pac-12 because until then it's just all posturing. Um, I think if they can have a have a media deal that's equal or better to or even just close to the Big 12, I think things will die down. We won't see any movement. But if um, you know they're going to be playing on um, Ion Network for half the money that the Big 12 is making, I think we very well could see Colorado and maybe somebody else come over. So that's where we're at right now. Personally, I don't think we'll have any realignment. I think all this has just been a lot of talk and it'll amount to nothing in the end. But you never know. It sure seems like Colorado is open to it. So, um, which is kind of funny that uh, Colorado of all teams, school that was uh, could barely win one football game last season, the team everybody's waiting to see what they do. But uh, if anybody moves, I think it's them. And then that would set off a wild, wild string of events. I'd tell you the one school I wish the Big 12 would go after a little bit harder. It seems like they're not that interested, but I would really like it if they added San Diego State. They're just sitting there. They need a conference. They're in a good location. Um, they just were good in basketball. I'd love to go to San Diego. You'd love to go to San Diego. Fans would love to go to San Diego. I'd, I'd rather bring them in than Colorado personally. I second that motion, and I think we would um, uh, we would have we would support the idea of all conference events happening in San Diego, <laughs> including they can move the, the conference office there for all I care. Office, <laughs> the basketball tournaments, the conference football championship game, all of it goes to San Diego. But you're right; they are. <laughs> Uh, they are a school without an, uh, a conference right now, <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I'm sure the Pac-12 will take it in when when it gets around to announcing its TV deal. But right now, San Diego State is looking as a future as an independent, and that doesn't work out that well. I also like your suggestion that maybe perhaps uh, Pac-12 will end up on the ION network. <laughs> 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 I flip through that on my cable and think, what the hell is that? But the <laughs> But uh, hey, yeah. hey, it would be on TV. It would be That's on TV. Right. I'm trying to be on. It would be on my cable. Be the first time I've ever seen the Pac-12 <laughs> on my cable. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, Kellis. Uh, thanks for the conversation, and we will see you in Arlington, Texas, in a couple of weeks. Can't wait. That'll do it for today. Big thanks to Monty Davis for producing the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition is the nation's top digital sports section with complete coverage of local and national sports, plus columns, features, and box scores. See what I mean by going to Live Edition. .kansascity.com. Here's a programming note. Sportsbeat KC is going on its summer vacation, Whew, and not a moment too soon. But we'll be back in two weeks in time to cover the Big 12 and SEC media days, the start of Chiefs training camp, the Royals. Maybe they can put together a winning streak in my absence. Sporting KC, the current, everything that happens in Kansas City sports, we'll talk about it. As always, thank you for listening.